There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello. We're back. Starting a cult. That's us. We're doing that. As per usual on it's your true. Friday evenings, we've come back around, as they say. Yeah, we're always here. You know, we're, we're reliable in that way. We're here to wrap up what has been a hilarious l- laugh ride of a series. Uh, yeah, out of way. About Columbine. Yep. Yeah, that's Grant of Jake Mitch is here. Now he's kissing him. It's crazy. But uh, yeah, this episode is arguably going to be a little, maybe more sad than last one. I know I promised I didn't want to do that again this week to you guys, but fuck it's, you. It's still pretty bad. Like honestly, that's what you come here for, you know. You come here for the abuse of these facts. Yeah, we're just we're just two regular Joes that will just tell you. Reading the internet. Things about life. How about that? Yeah, how about that? It's Ugh. just us, you know. You're it's, it's just us. You're so tired. I am. I'm, I'm sleepy. I'm a sleepy How man. That? You're me Woo, but anyways. Fuck. We are here to wrap up the part two of Columbine. <sighs> where eventually, mm-hmm. which after this, we'll probably move into something. Well, I shouldn't say probably. I should say there's a chance. That maybe we'll move into something a little less uh, this depressing. This is the same as probably, right? Um, there's a chance. Dude. <laughs> See, right. Probably yeah, to yeah. me implies like there's more of a chance. That, that it's probable rather than maybe. Yeah, like, this is know? there's a chance. It's all maybe. Yeah. I but, mean, um, what's for sure is we'll be back, but yeah, probably not talking about Columbine. Yeah, this one, um, yeah. There you go. How about that? So there you fucking go, you know. Buckle up, and uh, why, don't we, uh, why don't we just dive right in? Let's just that? dive on in. Uh, so, There's all right. no good way to just like start. Yeah, I would mean we're talking about Columbine. Uh, we, last, uh, we left off last week, uh, having gone through the tragic events of the Columbine High School Massacre, more or less through the perspectives of the perpetrators Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold. Yes. Right? You guys remember. Uh, for this section of the story, we'll probably most likely be covering, like, uh, uh, the police and the media response during the event, uh, immediately following the event, and as well as the national response and exploitation of the tragedy itself. Oh yeah, trust me, there was plenty of uh, plenty of response Exploit. and a, a slightly less amount of exploitation using it for 
advantages in one way or the other, but uh, yeah, there were definitely things that happened because yeah. of this, you know? A lot of things happened. Let's get into that. Uh, so going back a little bit in the story, um, the custodian who had radioed, uh, you know, the, the custodian had radioed Officer Gardner, the one who was in the parking lot eating his lunch, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that there was a female down and there was an active shooter. Well, two officers who had been issuing a traffic ticket at the time, uh, deputies Paul Smoker and Paul Magor, uh, two Pauls, uh, they heard the nine. The, they heard the call in basically at eleven twenty three, and they drove their motorcycles through the athletic fields as the shortest route to their destination. Uh, they then saw three other deputies: Scott Taborski, Rick Cyril, and Kevin Walker on their patrol cars. In their patrol cars, uh, following them and abandoned their motorcycles for the safety of the cars. So it's just a caravan of policemen on their way here. Okay. All right. Uh, in total, there were six policemen on the scene at this point, and this is in the middle of the shootout of Gar- with like Gardner and the shooters. Right? Remember that? Remember when that happened? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They're outside. They're, yeah, shooting, they're shooting at each from, other from a distance and all that. Yeah. No one was hit, but you know, a lot of bullets flying. Oh yeah. Uh, as I mentioned in the last episode, it's following this that Harrison Klebold entered the school, right? So police, however, they remained outside, okay? And here's a super sad addition to the story that I failed to mention in the last episode because it was kind of getting to be a lot last a little, time. A little heavy on that one. You know, uh, so when Harris and Klebold entered the school and they were shooting at anyone who they came across, coach and teacher Dave Sanders who had uh who had heard the shots outside and was attempting to you know like secure as much of the school as he could like getting kids out of there and somewhere safe you know yeah yeah so he thought um he uh you know he, he was finding students in the hall he was telling them to get to safety Harrison Klebold came across him and a student right when they first entered uh who immediately began they like immediately began running both of them in the opposite direction upon seeing the gunman. Harris and Klebold then shot at them and hit Sanders twice, once in the back and once in the neck. Ouch. Uh, yeah. And the bullet that went through the uh, the neck exited through his teeth. Ooh, that's an interesting that's, exit. <laughs> that's, that's so brutal. That's intriguing because it's like, if you, I mean, he didn't survive, but if you were able to survive that, you'd have a big... Uh, Medical bill as well as a dental bill. Yeah, very much so. He, uh, dude, can you imagine just your teeth like shattering from a bullet? Let alone it happening from a bullet that goes through your neck first. Uh, I mean, I no, because I feel like <laughs> imagining <laughs> no. that is already like imagining death. Yeah, and I don't really want to think about that. Or it's like if you survived, you know, if you got like a fifty cent type body where you can just like eat bullets like a sponge. Like, I feel like it, it almost wouldn't feel like anything initially because your body just, like, wouldn't know what the fuck that was. Yeah, it's just kind of like, oh, well, let's just go down on the ground here for a second. Try, yeah, to, ever, try, to, try to figure this out. Anyone, like, out there, I'm sure this has happened to everybody, but, you know, you get, like, some physical pain or, like, something happens that should be painful and it's not for multiple units of time. For, like, a second, seconds or yeah. minutes. Like... It just it just happens. It's like, oh, okay. And then, like, after a while and everything kind of settles down, your adrenaline dies down, you're like, this hurts, like, a lot. It's like, this is, like, the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, and it just, that, that's kind of what I'm 
envisioning. Dude, it's like Forrest Gump getting shot in the ass. He's like, something just jumped up and bit me. Yeah, pretty you much. You know, it's like, kind of like that. You wouldn't even really know like how to handle it. You'd just be like, oh, that was... Or like if it happened, you'd be like, oh, oh man, I got something like in the back of my throat. It's like, oh, fuck, I was just shot through like the neck. <laughs> Where are my teeth? Fuck. Yeah. Well, sadly, he didn't get to offer Officer Dan, or Lieutenant Dan, right? Uh, ice cream later on. Yeah, Lieutenant Dan. Well, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Dan. Dan, he came back. You yeah, know? he did, he did. He showed up at the fucking wedding. Yeah. Well, the student that managed, uh, the, the student that was like with him at the time that they came across the gunman and started running the other way, the student managed to successfully run away. But Sanders obviously fell to the ground after he was shot. Okay. Uh, Klebold then walked over to him, threw a pipe bomb on the ground next to him, and returned to Harris. Oh. So very uh, callous way of doing it. Uh, so the pipe bomb failed to go off, luckily, I guess. And so Sanders crawled into a nearby science room uh, containing 30 students and their teacher. Okay. And a nearby student who knew CPR named Aaron Hansey uh, performed it on the profusely bleeding Sanders for the next three hours. Three hours, huh? Three hours, while other students in the classroom like kept offering up their shirts because the, he was bleeding so much. Gross. A lot of blood. Sadly, Sanders died of blood loss in the classroom. So that's a little, little thing I failed to mention last time. Okay. Pretty brutal murder of a teacher. Yeah, it sort of, it adds a little extra layering there. You know, we get to see some more uh, brutality, I guess. There you go. Yeah, it's what everyone wants, you sick fox. Yeah, you all like that shit, don't you? You love it. Whores. All right. Uh, Whores. <laughs> so going back to the cops, they remained outside of the school for like the entire duration of the shooting and a substantial amount of time afterward. So, the shooting from the first shot to the final two, if you know what I mean, uh, that, that lasted about 45 minutes. Okay. All right. So, the, the police did not enter the school uh, attempting to figure out, you know, what's going on until three hours after that. So, it's like almost four hours mm-hmm. before they went in trying to, like, figure shit out. Um, uh, so this is despite the fact that police, SWAT teams, and firefighters were showing up every few minutes. Like, now five minutes would go by without at least six people showing up. Ooh, okay. So there was, it was a ton, a ton of people. Part of the reason, um, there was so much delay in law enforcement intervening was because one, uh, like, no one really knew the situation. Like, the fire alarm was pulled, so there was, like, this deafening and constant alarm going off. Throughout the entire thing, like shooting included. Mm, um, okay. So, uh, was there a fire? There, there were students escaping the school, telling authorities that you know what they could. It was known that there were gunmen, but how many were there? Uh, were there hostages? Was this going to be like a negotiation process? Who were the gunmen? They knew they were students, but that meant they could be literally anyone in the school. They're just like, what the fuck do we do? What's the protocol here? You uh-huh. know. What's the protocol here, you What's say? What's the protocol? So the police, uh, they were kind of at a standstill. And a huge part of that, uh, the standstill lasting so long, uh, is the fact that no one seemed to be in charge outside. Like, they, it was so many people that it was almost impossible to rally them all to do the same thing. You know? Like, no one could coordinate it. Uh-huh. Um, Eventually, after Harris and Klebold had eaten their last meal and given themselves a new hairdo, respectively, 
uh, SWAT team was sent into the school to literally shoot the locks off of every door that they came across. Damn. I guess to let people out, but also that probably terrified everyone in the doors, like on the other sides of the doors. Okay. All right. We're cooking. Uh, all right, let's see. Let's shoot, uh, shoot the locks. Shortly after the police had actually entered the school, about three hours later, the bomb squad entered as well. And when handling the shooter's bodies specifically, they were extremely cautious, thinking that their bodies could have been, like, booby-trapped with explosives because there's, like, there's so many fucking explosives everywhere. Damn. So okay. it kind of makes sense. Uh, at 4.30 that afternoon, the bomb squad declared the school safe. Of explosives, at least, you know? Okay. And uh, what's funny about that is actually the next day the the bombs in the fucking cafeteria were discovered. But that's beside the point. Uh, the media was involved in this story uh, as it was unfolding, more so than any other event like this in history. All right? So part of this, uh, part of it was the fact that along with the insane amount of cops and escaped students, the parking lot of the school was also absolutely fucking filled with journalists. Ooh. They were just, they just showed up. And, uh, and these journalists were interviewing students. All right. Interviewing so, them, you say. Interviewing, interviewing but like <laughs> the students who were children that had just had their average Tuesday at fucking school turned into one of the most infamous events in history. They were mentioning, like, that these interviews were... It, I, I don't know. It's like, they were being interviewed. They were obviously in shock. Some of them had the blood of their classmates on their clothes. Like, it, it's also worth mentioning that these interviews were broadcasted during uh, fucking Fox News and CNN's highest ratings in history. See, to I, this day. I'm going to interject here for a second because there, there's two camps on this side, okay? Who is that? So I, I completely understand that, like, there's people that would think that, you know, that that's inappropriate. It's not the time. It's not, you know, it, uh, for lack of a better term, it's not the appropriate way to get that information. But on the other side, in the Western culture, in America, that's what people want to fucking see. It's but, what they want to see, but it's not going to get you the right story, but, uh, which is well, what yeah. journalists should be trying to do. But, you know what I mean? You know, you got to – that. that is where the money's at. And for all the people out there that are, you know, like, oh, that's wrong. They never should have done it. If something like that does happen – like, that just happened in New York on Monday. There was a shooting. Yeah. Not that same level, but there was a shooting. That is what people tune in to see is, like, the immediate eyewitness report. That is, like, immediately what they want. I totally get that. And I get that, like, some of them can be reliable. Like, some people can have an even keel, like, you know, demeanor when in that situation. Oh, yeah. But these are fucking kids. They're, they're traumatized in shock. They're covered in blood of the their fucking fallen students, their fallen fellow people. Uh, and most importantly, they're fucking kids. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I think the journalists were extremely ill-advised and outright wrong for like conducting those those interviews with the kids a uh because it is just not ethical and b almost all of the misinformation that would live on after this as truth about what happened and who did it and you know and why came from these journalists doing this see i, I get what you're saying i'm like 50 50 on it i do agree with you that it's like they're it's just not right 
per se. You know, it's like you, you don't do that to people. No, it was done for ratings. But it is at the same time. It's like that is uh, that that's gonna happen everywhere, no matter what happens, all yeah. the time. So it's like it, it it's different. You know, it's it's weird. I don't really know if it was. I wouldn't say it was the right thing to do, but I yeah. wouldn't necessarily say like it was wrong. It was more just ill-advised, like you said. That's a good yeah. way to put it. Well, like the fact that it it was for something of this scale and for something that involves so many people that were children and like those are the main mm. that's the main crux of what they're looking for is like kids, tell me what you saw, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I think it's, it's kind of fucked weird. up. And like it's in trying to get a story out of it and making it from these testimonies like the plot line was established like two hours after the first shot oh yeah which is two hours before the policeman even went in there um so journalists were told that harris and klebold by kids they were told that uh they were goth nerds who were bullied heavily and were a part of the trench coat mafia so like there's a bunch of things that are present at the school but they don't it all embody Harris and Klebold. Like, right. It could be speculated that the journalists themselves kind of invented this narrative after they had seen uh, student Chris Morris get arrested. Because mm-hmm. Morris, he was like, he was sort of chubby. He was a nerdy-looking kid with long hair, you know, like wire-rim glasses. He was actually friends with Harris and Klebold. That's probably why he was being arrested to be, like, questioned or something. Um, and he was a member of the trench coat mafia, so he just had a big old trench coat on. After journalists saw this, because they like broadcasted him being arrested, uh, they were asking like very leading questions to the kids that were again in shock. Like, were the gunmen bullied? Were they goth? Were they loners? And kids like who didn't even know Harrison Klebold, they were just answering the questions, almost just like yes anding the reporters. Yeah, and it's like. I'm sure by that point, you know, people talk, like, even after, as this is going on, rumors are already circulating and flying, and, like, you hear this or you hear that. It's, like, stories are just sort of pieced together with what you witnessed as well as what you hear other people witnessed as well. Yeah. And, you know, you don't even necessarily need to know what happened to have a story about it because you're there, you know? Yeah. Here's another thing about, like, the way the media handled this that I think it's like fucking insane um another questionable aspect of the news is the fact that they were literally taking calls from students still in the school as the shooting was taking place well see i think that's a little interesting that's i don't interesting. know man because it it seems kind of fucking dangerous i mean it does you know, but like, they don't care they're they're just about the story you well know? exactly that they're just like story hungry and not like at all taking into account these kids safety you know, like there were like there, there were a bunch of TVs in the school, basically. So some kids and teachers were just watching the live news coverage of the shooting in real time. Right. And so it was also around this time that cell phones were becoming like a semi-normal thing to have. So a bunch of students had cell phones and they were calling the police, but their lines were flooded and like all of them were pretty much outside. So then they turned to calling the news stations. And the news stations were just taking the calls and broadcasting them live as well. So, like, this kept happening until the police contacted the news outlets telling them to stop because they're just like, what if these kids, like, say where they are and they're still active shooters? They could just, like, know where they are. That's fucked up. So the police were just like, you fucking stop that. Um, and it, it just, they, they uh, 
despite this, the news anchors like simply advise the students in the building to turn down their television's volume because they thought that would be <laughs> the thing that gave them away. It's certainly a start. I I'll guess. Tell you that. But then police like called them again, or they were just like, "You no fucking stop." And anchors told the students, "Was like, okay, you, you have to stop calling. Like, just do not call us kids, okay?" Uh, but the calls didn't stop, nor did the live broadcasting of them. So it just kept happening. Yeah, there's almost no way to stop that once it started because it's like. But like, you cannot take the calls, you know. Yeah, that but is that true, would have hurt like, their how ratings. You, how do you not? You know? That would have hurt their ratings. And like I said, CNN and Fox News, their highest ratings in history. Yeah, journalists have never been been accused of being like uh, really ethical. You know. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, well, needless to say, the the like official story that the news ended up going with uh, for this tragedy was skewed to say the least. Right. A little bit. A little bit. So it's it's this inaccurate narrative that was then taken and ran with by most of the country. And like many people d- like took advantage of this. Churches in the community after the fact, especially the evangelical ones, they filled entire parking lots worth of windshield wipers full of flyers for their churches. And it's like not just one. Like there's competing churches now. They were mm-hmm. competing with one another. Like some just offered closure. Some offered... Closure plus cookies at the meeting. Others offered like catering at the meetings and closures. Just like, just come to our churches, be, become a part of our church. Really, they were just like recruiting for their churches, right? Ooh, Which meant right. more money in the in the collection baskets, right? More monthly donations, and uh, so they were they were uh, twisting the already incorrect story uh, to further their agenda even more. Um. They would also, uh, they, they kind of made martyrs out of two of the victims, Rachel Scott and Cassie Bernal, right? Okay. Interesting. Um, specifically with Bernal, evangelical churches were preaching that she was posed with the question of whether or not she believed in God by Dylan Klebold, and when she answered yes, he shot her in the face with his shotgun, killing her instantly. Good Lord. Okay. It would have been a disgusting. It would have been like disgusting to use this story as a recruitment tactic, even if it was true. But in reality, Cassie Bernal was killed without a word. Like she was just one of the victims. The student that was actually asked by Klebold if she believed in God was named Valine Schnur, uh, and she had uh, she had been struck by some buckshot by Klebold's shotgun and was saying like, "Oh my God! Oh my God!" To which Klebold said, like, do you believe in God? And she answered, yes. And Klebold said, why? God is gay. Smart. Which, that seems like a very Kurt Cobain sort of thing. But uh, And Schnur survived. Like, Klebold walked away after this exchange. So the person that the evangelicals were trying to be like make a martyr in the eyes of the public was still alive. It, it's fucked up. All right, uh, some evangelical preachers were also preaching that this tragedy took place because there was no prayer allowed in public schools. They kind of wedged that platform in there. Yeah, Um, that makes sense. And a preacher from the Westboro Baptist Church asserted that Harris and Klebold were gay and used this to spread anti-gay rhetoric, even though there was no evidence to substantiate that at all. Others simply claim that Harris and Klebold were devil worshippers and that 
They were. This was for some like sick ritual that they had to perform for their dark master. In short, evangelicals are pathetic bitches. All right, and they're they're probably going to be the ones going to hell if there is one. But yeah, that's a little advantage taken there. Uh, more on onto the gun aspect of all this. The NRA was set to have their convention in Denver that year, right? Uh, and they indeed went through with it. So it happened. Um, during the convention, speakers used the tragedy as a means to say guns needed to be more prevalent so as to combat such things. Right? Uh, interestingly enough, there was something that came out like super recently. It was November of 2021. NPR got a hold of some tapes from like uh, top officials at the NRA at the time. And you can hear on these tapes that top officials at the NRA considered canceling the convention that year and possibly raising money for the families of the victims. Interesting. So, like, obviously, this didn't happen, but it was interesting to know now, so much later, but it's interesting to know that even these people with such strong convictions regarding guns were made to second-guess themselves in light of this tragedy. That just, like, goes to show how big this was. Yeah, especially at the time. Like, nowadays, it's it's a lot more routine, sadly, so it's like you don't really have that response and like the nra response it's interesting well that's a whole other conversation but it really is split pretty much 50 50 of like saying getting rid of guns would help get rid of situations like this and saying that more guns would help mitigate situations like this we don't really know yeah, we really don't know. So because, it, I mean, it, each, they're both right in their own way, you yeah, know? Each option in the eyes of the opposing side seems too dangerous to try, so it's just a stalemate in, exactly. in a so lot of sense. It, it, that really kind of started, I think, the more open dialogue about that, where it's not just opinion. Now it's more like people are talking about this regularly. Like, should we get rid of guns? Should we have more? What do we yeah. do about these I mean, things? I remember, like, the week after Sandy Hook, they were just like, we need to arm teachers. Like, that was a huge thing. They were trying to arm all teachers. Or, like, make it not necessarily required, but, like, that to be an option. I'd be cool if they got paid more. Yeah. If they were paid more, like, if they got extra money for that... I'd be game. That'd be fine. Yeah, with the with the fucking wage that teachers get paid now, I wouldn't be surprised if a bunch of teachers were blowing away the students. Yeah, like you, know? you don't you don't pay them enough, and they got to deal with all this fucking nonsense. But that's getting into a whole different thing. Yeah, it's a whole separate yeah, topic. Yeah, but yeah. It, the, the NRA response, especially at that time, it, it it was it wasn't something that people wanted, but it it needed to happen because you know that's sort of what they are about is guns but and it was it just is so it's just like isn't that just how it how it goes sometimes you know it's like this happens and then their convention just so happened to be scheduled in denver that year yeah it's like duh isn't that just fucking how she goes um a little more on the guns seeing as the guns uh harris and klebold used were bought at gun shows many bills were presented to end the gun show loophole for good, but none of them made it past Congress. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a yeah. tough sell, for and sure. It, probably a big reason why it didn't make it past Congress is because gun shows at this time, at least, and I'm sure probably today, make up half of all gun sales in the U.S. Oh, yeah. Like oh, it, yeah. <laughs> that's just back then. It's probably, it might be more now. I don't even know. 
Um, gun shows are kind of fun. I've, I've been to one. It was cool. I've never been to one. I just see all the, the handmade signs form around us. It was cool. I was, like, really young. It was, like, it was real little. And uh, it was it was very overwhelming, to say the least. Yeah, it's just like, what do these notches in the handle mean? I was like, oh. It's like, don't worry about that. Okay, cool. Oh. Uh, all right. So the results of this, the, the, like, misinformation paired with the fact that guns were obviously not going anywhere was ultimately a scrambling for an explanation and scapegoats, right? So many people began blaming violent video games, such as Doom. We know that, uh, uh, what was his name? Eric Harris, he had that, he started his whole website where he was blogging on a, up a storm. Doom. Just to talk about Doom. The first, this is the bonus fact for you guys. It's the first first-person shooter, or like what would later become the first-person shooter video game. Really? Yeah, how about the that? The first ever? Well, I mean, you could argue that, like, you know, Duck Hunt and stuff like that, but it that was a little bit different. That was more interactive and yeah. sort of, like, generic. This was, like, Doom is a, killing, like, fucking big bipedal monsters that are coming at you. Yeah, th- this was the, the inception of the FPS video game. Interesting. Well, yeah, they were, they, they were getting blamed those video games also goth culture in general goth culture and specifically marilyn manson for some reason regardless of the fact that harrison klebold didn't even like manson's music uh they almost listened solely to uh romstein nice i I dig a couple of their tracks um so this this made life for kids who like identified as goth or liked video games or even just liked wearing trench coats extremely difficult all right, uh, the false narratives of Harris and Klebold being bullied actually increased bullying of children like this countrywide. Yeah, that I believe. So, like, bullying was just at an all-time high after this because of some stereotypes that the news just went with, you know? Uh, so policies in schools around the country drastically changed after Columbine as well. Many students began requiring... Uh, many schools began requiring students... To carry around computer-generated identification cards, which we had those, which just like IDs. Yeah. Um, other schools installed metal detectors requiring see-through backpacks and implemented a zero-tolerance rule, which was both good and bad. You know? Yeah, zero-tolerance is a tough... It's a tough sell in anything. Yeah, because it's like... It maintained that any student that possessed a weapon in school or posed any threat to any student in any way, would be dealt with swiftly and harshly, basically. Yeah. So this was good because, yeah, like, weapons definitely shouldn't be present in school, I don't think. Uh, But it was negative because if... So think, like, a student's getting picked on, he gets hit. If he hits back, if he retaliates at all, like, he's going to get the same punishment as the aggressor. You know? Yeah, pretty much. So it's just, just like, a shit ton of expulsions are going to happen needlessly. Like, the result of this was ultimately just kids becoming submissive to abuse through forced inaction. Yeah, pretty because they're forced to sit there and just not do anything about it, you know? Yeah. It's it's a very interesting take and um I think it it has a lot of merit to it, but there's also issues with it as we've kind of discussed. Yeah. And that's sort of like the point of this whole episode or this two-part episode that we've done is that responses are necessary but 
we don't really know how to properly do that. And this is a huge example of us not knowing what the fuck to do. Yeah, and I'm going to bring up, this is slightly unrelated, but we'll kind of, we could we'll wrap up the uh, the theories and discussions at the end. We'll but there's a um, there. So there was an article published um, uh, on this website called whatreallyhappened.com. Oh. And this was in uh, May of 2000, so a year later. Okay. Um, and it was a compilation of interviews news sources, and it was accompanied by clips and everything. Um, the website has since been shut down, but luckily, scouring the internet, there's a website called Newslog, and what they do is they take every article that's been out uh, on the internet, and it's sort of like a backlog, so it's got everything in there. Oh, it's badass. Um, it's it's very hard to read because it's just kind of in like a PDF format. Yeah, it's but it's like the external hard drive of the internet. Basically. Yes, and they had an article that uh, I came across. It took a while to find, but the title of the article is Columbine: One Hundred and One Witnesses Can't Be Wrong. Okay, really d- took my attention. Okay? Yeah, I mean that that sounds immediately like it's going to be. Maybe unbiased. I don't know. I don't know. That definitely is a good title. So I want to start. I'll read you the little blurb, okay? Blurb it up. According to the final reports of the investigation, only two people, Eric Harris, 18, and Dylan Klebold, 17, planned and executed the mass shooting at Columbine High School outside of Littleton, Colorado, on April 20th, 1999. Sounds about right. Leaving 15 dead and 23 wounded. But at least 100 eyewitnesses remembered things a little bit differently. Okay. And then they label it 1 to 101. I'm not going to sit here and read all 101 of them. No, that's that's literally double the list that you went through on the fucking Las Vegas episode. <laughs> yeah. But I'll, I'll give you a little taste. We'll go through some of the interesting ones and I'll kind of thumb through them. Yeah, yeah. We'll just get a little sampler. Number one. Chris Wisher, who was a sophomore at Columbine High School at that time. This was his report. Quote, He turned and saw two guys carrying shotguns and wearing black trench coats. A third guy wearing a white t-shirt and jeans was seen throwing bombs onto the roof. Okay. Um, let's see. We'll do this guy. Jonathan Cole. He was a freshman. He noticed two tall guys in black trench coats. He then saw a third male wearing a white t-shirt and blue jeans. This person looked over to the other two suspects and started yelling, Go, go, as Dylan ran into the building. Hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I have some responses for these, but go on. Channel 7 News. Uh, This was reported at 12 p.m. on the day of the shooting. Reporter said that numerous witnesses he spoke to via telephone who were not named, importantly enough, said that they saw three to four different individuals with guns in the building. Okay. I still have some responses for this. Uh, Let's see. Oh, uh, this was from one of the detectives on the scene, uh, last name Nelson. A list of three names that the 12 witnesses ID'd from the yearbook were turned over to me during investigations for me to forward on. 
just that's just that's not really a witness. It's just he had a name, a yeah, list yeah. with three names, he had three on different it. people. Um, doom. Anthony Samaro, who was a freshman. Tony, as he was called. Tony, yeah. Tony Sabaro, the pizza joint. Tony stated that two suspects came in the front door of the building and one rushed in through the side door, meeting in the middle of the hallway. Okay. Uh, John Curtis, who was a staff member at Columbine High School, described three male attackers under the age of 20. Um, there was one in here I wanted to see, but I can't. I'll I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Don't worry. Um, some people saw three. Some saw four. Some saw five. Let me keep going here. Um, okay, this is from Thornton and Northland PD SWAT team. Okay. So the SWAT team that reported. Um. At 11.35 p.m. on 4-20-1999, 12 hours after the event, the team enters Columbine High School for another search. We were advised that two suspects, shooters, were still at large and possibly hiding in the building. Where did they get that info? That was, uh, I don't know, they're police, though. So Interesting. Came, that, that's what the police were investigating. Interesting. Um. A parole officer named Mike Eman uh, from the town of Littleton, who was in the building at the time. Eman. He advised that there were possibly four suspects in the school based on the way he heard things. So this guy's interesting because he was in the south wing of the high school. Okay. And he was one of the people watching, you know, what was going on on TV. And... um, this was while the library event was happening. So they're Dylan and Eric are in the library. Yeah, doing their little slaughter weird you know, one-liner thing. And him and multiple other students, there, there's probably about 15 on this list of 101, that reported shots being fired outside of their door as the event in the library was going on. So they're in different parts of the building, and they're hearing gunshots like immediately next to them. Okay. Um. But- it's kind of hard to read, but I'm just trying to like go through and find some interesting yeah. ones. Can I say just a couple of things about what you've said so far? No, absolutely. See, because um, about them seeing like multiple shooters and like in different outfits and that kind of thing. Both Dylan and um, Dylan and Eric, they were wearing white shirts underneath their uh, their trench coats at the time. Like you said, they had like wrath and vengeance or something like that. Yeah, yeah, but um. Throughout, like, as the shooting was going on, throughout that time, eventually one of them took off his jacket. And then the other one took off his jacket. And then one turned his hat around backwards. And then one took off his hat. So, like, it could be possible that, like, there were some eyewitnesses in there that you said that, like, there were three seen at once. Which is interesting, but I have a feeling that, I mean, they're, like, again, I keep going back to it, but they're fucking kids. And they just experienced something, like mind-numbingly tragic and fucking just astoundingly devastating. I feel like they may have just kind of just put together different flashes of what had just happened to them in their mind, uh, like at different points of the shooting. You know, like I, f- I feel like they may have just seen them both in different way, like means of dress. 
Yeah, and you never know. Like, as it goes on, you know. And yeah, this is like an incredibly strange time to be alive yeah. um, during that. So yeah, there's no way of knowing that any of this is yeah. like... Their, know, their outfits changed over the span of the entire shooting. Also, with the gunshots like outside the door, like... I don't know if these hallways were carpeted. I don't imagine they are, but fucking sound can ricochet all throughout fucking hallways. And they fucking Tech Nines, dude, those were like... And a rifle. They had long-range fucking guns. Well, that it, is true. It could very easily be mistaken for someone being really close or someone being really far away. Like, there's no way of telling with the... Because it's a small space, you know? But what do you mean it's a small space? Like, they're in a different part of the building. But it's, like, a compact area. So, like, if if someone's, like... If you're running away from, like, supposed shooters, right, in the hallways, and it's at the end of a very long hallway, and, like, someone next to you gets shot. It's, like, you don't know if they're right behind you or, like, at the other side of the fucking school. Yeah, but see, in you know this what I mean? instance... I'm agreeing with you, but I'm just saying, in this instance, the library's upstairs, remember? Yeah. So they're up a whole other level and in a different part of the building. So like to, Interesting. to have that like sound. I'm not saying that you're you're wrong. No, you're yeah, I'm not. Point. I'm not like uh, I'm not getting angry at you. No, no, no I know. No, I know. But um, we're both like we're devils advocating each other. We're respectfully here. disagreeing so as to make yeah. this conversation interesting. It's but weird. also like Eric specifically, like Dylan a little bit. He was more conservative with his shooting. Well, uh, it, that's a bad way to put it because Dylan was pretty brutal with the shots he did let, let off. But Eric was, like, super just, like, he was flailing his gun, dude. He was just shooting in the ceiling, in the fucking floor at anyone he saw. It's possible that bullets could have gone through the fucking ceiling of the first floor. Yeah, the that is, you know what I mean? That is very true. I don't know. I'm just, like, spitballing here, but, like, I feel like there are some pretty reasonable explanations for a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. Especially the one where they're, like, they're changing what they're wearing as they go. Yeah, that is, one with clothes and stuff is like, okay, yeah, come on. And it is kids and jock and, you know, I don't know. There's but go one. on. I, I don't want to, like, derail this because this is actually very interesting. No, no, you're good. I got uh, two more personal stories. Person? Well, from um, you? No, 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 like you from individuals there? in the building. Okay, thank God. You would have been like three. Um, So this one was Pat McDuffie, okay? That's a great name. He was a member of the Trenchcoat Mafia. So he was friends with Dylan and Eric, okay? Yeah. I mean, they were friends with some people in the Trenchcoat Mafia, but they weren't like, not with everybody. They just Yeah, they weren't like homies, you yeah, know? Yeah, they like knew people in there, so they were just like, oh, they're associated. But... He named specifically, and these were redacted names for the purpose of the article, but he names five individuals that were all part of the group, the you know the shooting group. And now he says that they weren't all particularly partaking in the shooting, but they were aware of it and drove in together. Interesting. And, and he says of those five, three of them helped Eric and Dylan plan the event and buy ammo for it. Really, I because I know that like the people, the same friends and like coworkers that bought the guns may I I'd have to imagine they also bought the ammunition, so they may have been involved in more ways than one. Because I know the boss that bought the Tech Nine for Klebold, he got arrested and he did some time. Mm-hmm. But interesting. Um, all right, this one's interesting too. Melissa Chavez, she met. Harris and Klebold and four other members of the Trenchcoat Mafia at the mall okay. days before. 
and she says that they showed her a written out uh, map of exactly where the bombs at the school would be placed, and she did not show up to school that day. Jesus Christ. Um, I can see that, though, in, like, just a young kid who's, like, presented with something like that. It's like, what do I do? Like, because you've never been faced with something so serious in your life at that point, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, it's kind of like uh, like the people who they worked with at Blackjack Pizza. Like, Dylan, fuck, not Dylan, uh, Eric, he brought a fucking pipe bomb to work. And nothing ever came of that. No one, no one like told the police. No one said anything. They were just like, "Oh, get that thing away from me!" Like yeah. it, you know, it's it's a weird uh, population of people that were exposed to all these things. If that is true, I mean, I'm not doubting it, but that's fucking crazy. So this one, this is where things get interesting. So we have Valene Schner, yep. who was a senior and a gunshot victim. Yeah, she was the one that uh, that actually was posed with the question of whether or not she believed in God. Yeah, and um, Valene was adamant that Eric and Dylan, neither one of them were, was the individual that shot them, and she actually pointed to somebody in the yearbook by picture and name and said that they were the one that pulled the trigger on her. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, Jennifer Tyndall, a sophomore, um, she insisted that uh, it wasn't either Eric or Dylan, uh, and she picked out the same person that Valene did in the yearbook and said that that was the person she saw with the gun. Interesting. You know what I, is, like, a possible thing that could have happened? Like, maybe, like, yeah, you're right, like, maybe more than two people were involved in it, like, five, is it what you said? Uh-huh. It could be that, like, they just went in and were, like, in different parts of the school at the same time that... Cleveland and and uh, and Harris like had weapons and were just roaming, and when they came across them, they may have like handed them the guns to like get in on the quote unquote fun. Yeah, you, you know, know what I mean. Like that's possibly something sick and terrible that may have happened. Um, and then there's one more Casey Rugzegger. Yeah, uh, she did the same thing and she identified the same person in the yearbook as the others, and, and all three of these were in the library at the time of the shooting. Jesus Christ. Um, so they identified somebody else. Now, there were unnamed staff members um, in this article that said um, that they had actually seen uh, Dylan, believe it or not, Dylan yeah. in the corner crying while shooting was happening. That, was, that happened to two separate staff members. Huh. So... It, it's weird, and again, I'm not saying that this is the truth. I'm not saying that that's like you know, there's a third truth. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. I mean, it's yeah. very easily uh, mistaken, just based on like what it was and the the day. Um, but it does pose an interesting question when there are 101 confirmed people that all tell of not necessarily three, but. Anywhere between three and even eight yeah. in some reports. 101 people that are saying basically the two gunmen story is inaccurate. Yeah, that not that they weren't a part of it, but that there were other people that were partaking or purposefully allowed by Dylan and Eric to like join. Yeah, you know. I all right. I'm gonna say I don't think. I personally don't believe that, but I'm not gonna be like so brash to say that's impossible like it's definitely that could definitely be the case 
but I don't, yeah. I don't know, man. And I, I think, feel like in a situation like this, you're not thinking clearly. You're not putting. You're not forming memories. You're you're in fucking survival mode. And I think what could have happened in a lot of these instances, I have two trains of thought on this. First off, I think that maybe uh, it could very easily be mistaken as because they were they were killing indiscriminately. But they weren't killing everybody. They, you know, people were present that weren't being killed. No, yeah, like we were saying in the last episode, it was completely fucking random. Yeah, like so they would come across someone and be like, mm, "You're cool. All right, yeah, let's let's go to this next guy." You know, right? And there's potential that um, people can misconstrue that as you know, like they thought maybe they were like friends or in on it, and like were allowed to live for that reason, or that they were going for a specific like group of people, like jocks or like black people or something like. But right. they weren't. It, they were killing whoever they felt like it in the moment. Yeah. So that that could very easily explain certain people, especially people that weren't eyewitnesses or more ear witnesses, you know, like seeing or hearing stories, yeah. things like that. This entire thing is a huge grapevine. Everyone's hearing stuff. And another thing, kind of spinning off that same idea, they had a lot of guns, and there's no way of knowing that... I'm not saying that they wanted to, but it could very easily be posed as a question of, like, maybe fucking Dylan threw someone a gun and was like, I'll let you live if you start shooting too. That entirely possible. And maybe they did to try and save their life, and that doesn't mean he didn't kill that person. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. nobody knows. Nobody will ever know exactly what happened. And I don't mean to take away from the people that survived that, because they know more than anybody. They were there. Yeah. But it's also an event that can really fuck with your perception of time and reality. And it remembering that is not necessarily something you want to do. And it might not even be a clear memory simply for that reason. Yeah, I mean, like, like lie detectors are not permissible in, in court anymore. I feel like eyewitness testimony is the next on the docket for that. Because it's so unreliable in a lot of situations. No, absolutely. You know what I mean? And I think th- there's not really a grand conspiracy here with Columbine because it really... It really is just one of those things that happened. It's, it's not just like, like the other ones where there's questionable things that came around it. Yeah. This one is simply just kids kids being kids in the most fucked up possible way. Yeah, it, like they're acting on intrusive thoughts that I'd say a lot of kids have at that age. Just like, oh, let's. wouldn't it be great if these people weren't around anymore? And like everything's so sad and dark, it doesn't even matter. A lot of kids have those thoughts. Yeah. Right? But these fucks, like, acted on it. And it, it was no, it was for no reason aside from, like, total control of a situation and just pure fucking evil. Like, it, it didn't have anything to do with video games or goth music or Marilyn Manson. It was just them deciding to be evil. Yeah, and, and this raised another important question in the media and around the nation um, possibly even the world. I, I don't really have that information to confirm that. Um, but it did raise questions of were antidepressants not necessarily to blame, but did they play any role in this cynical worldview that they had? Yeah. Because they both were, you know, prescribed antidepressant medication. Yeah. Um, which nowadays is not uncommon. But the question was raised, and it never. 
never really got answered. Now, things went to court. Um, there were never, like, settlements or anything like that, but nothing went one way or the other. If there was some... If that played any f- sort of factor in this event. Yeah. Um, it very well could have. You know, we don't know. Yeah. It, it's a very personal thing uh, for Dylan and Eric. Like, you know, that that was their their way of doing what they wanted to do. And it you can't really blame an outside factor for that. I Not necessarily. Say. And, like, and a lot of people at the time and even probably still today, like, blame their parents. And, like, that kind of thing. And it, tying into, like, the, the medications, like, their doctors for giving them whatever specific medication they had. But their parents did everything that they could with the situation that was presented to them by their children. Yeah. Like, it, like Dylan Klebold especially, like, he was getting bad when it came to, like, depression and, like, just, like, intrusive suicidal thoughts and stuff. Eventually, his parents were caring. Like, eventually they would have addressed that properly once they saw the full scope of it, mm-hmm. it just ne- it it wasn't to that point before this. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like the parents aren't to blame. No, not at all, not at all. But it it, it Columbine is it's one of those uh, American history events that is really on the grand scale, and I don't mean to diminish this in any way. On the grand scale, it's not a mass casualty event. But it's treated as such because of what it was and why it happened. And where it happened, you know? The, the gravity of it greatly outweighed the body count, but the body count wasn't minuscule. Yeah, like it wasn't... You know what I mean? It wasn't zero, you know? It wasn't yeah. fucking one, maybe two. It was, it was no. It was no fucking Battle of Gettysburg, but But yeah, it, still. it really... It still resonates now, because as we said, I mean... I'm sure there's a lot of schools out there that still have rules implemented because of Columbine. Oh, for sure. Um, I mean, we had fucking student IDs with barcodes on them and shit and all our info. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was one of them. Uh, There were at least three cops in our school at all times. Yeah, at all times. At all times. And it's one of those situations that I don't think could have been avoided. I really don't because... Nobody knew it would happen in that capacity, you know? Yeah. And and no one, he never explicit. neither one of them explicitly said, like, we're going to go fucking kill kids at school. It was, you know. Well, in front of other people, necessarily, because there were the basement tapes. Yeah. In which they outright were just like, we're going to kill every fucking buddy. Even We're going to do it. That's a tough one, because it's like. Nowadays, I think that would be taken a little bit more seriously. Well, especially with the internet now and how yeah. big it is. Mm-hmm. But it it still wouldn't necessarily stop it to me because there's no... It's it's a threatening video, but does that give them enough evidence to say, like, you're never allowed to go back to that school and things of that nature, and especially in the, in the 90s, you know? Yeah. It really... It was unavoidable to me. Um, unless, like, an act of God, you know, like they well, were hit by I'm, a bus or some shit. There were things that could have been done to have possibly um, helped avoid this. I mean, it, just thinking back on the fucking, uh, uh, the, the blog that, that, uh, that Eric Harris was making, where in which he fucking named a specific dude that he wanted to kill at his school, and that dude's parents saw it, called the police, 
someone wrote up an affidavit for like a fucking uh, search warrant of Eric Harris's house, and it was just never presented to a judge. At that time, he was actively making bombs. Yeah, you probably they would have found point. an insane amount of like pipe bombs, fucking like propane tanks, crickets. That was all in his house at the time. Not to mention his diaries that he was probably making at the time, which he was definitely making Can after he got caught. Those, like reading those, insane. I don't. That's just that's just wild to me. So I feel like it could have been avoided, but just it wasn't in the cards. No, it wasn't. And again, the silver lining here to me. And again, I don't want anyone to think this is like belittling or playing down the situation. But the silver lining that came from Columbine was that the world is now aware that this is something that can happen and will happen. And it has happened many times right. since then. And there's ways to at least prepare. It's not necessarily... You could never stop this from happening entirely. But there's ways to prepare and make sure it doesn't happen on that level again. You know, yeah. Not that, not again. It did happen, and it has happened, and it it might again. It probably but will, unfortunately. There's no true way of. I said to me, if this never happened, it when it happened later in time, it would have been significantly more deadly. Oh, for sure. Because had they planned a little bit differently. Or things went the way that they intended them to. Yeah, honestly, if literally any of the bombs went off, yeah, it would have this been a would whole have been new ball game in like just insanity. Yeah, so that that is the the very uh, minuscule silver lining that comes from this event is that at least the world is aware that these things happen and will happen, and there's ways to try and mitigate those problems. Yeah, yeah. So there again, it's not like a win, but it's certainly a a positive a that silver comes from in there. the darkness, you know? Oh, yeah, light in the dark a little bit. So how about that? That is, that's oh, the episode. Fuck. Yeah. That's Columbine. That's Columbine knows. right there. It's over and done with. And learn from it, you know? Don't don't let it happen. Don't do that is no. my advice to the kids. Don't do that. Agreed. That is not something you know? we ever need to replicate. Ever. Yeah. Okay? No, I agree. Um, so... I get, yeah, that's the end. I guess I don't really have any final words. I think we said it all. Yeah, I feel like we got we, we, we you know, you, you know, know, you know, everyone knows. You get it. You know. Don't what's fucking do that. Uh, fucking treat your goth kids nice. They're just kids like uh, wearing black. True. Trueness. Anyone could shoot up a school, not but, just the goths. Well, that's a good point. Not just them. It just it happens. It, it has. I would say that is effectively our episode for the week. It is, you know, and isn't that just great? Right so, in the smack dab middle of April. There we go. So, like we said, we'll probably come back with something maybe a little bit lighter next week. Uh, yeah, probably. Maybe a little more, you know, we can joke around a bit more. Probably, I, I'm going to imagine it'll be like an off week. Yeah, not yeah, off is like not do an episode, but one where we just kind of oh, we'll always we'll do figure an something out that's just kind of goofy and just like talkage. Yeah, we'll just we'll we'll uh, feed on the talkage. But anyway, so uh, we're, we you can follow us on all the shit. We are starting a cult. It's Grand of Jake. Mitch was here. He was coughing a little bit throughout. If he's giving me COVID, I'm going to shoot out his kneecaps. But a uh, little tickle at his throat. He says, "Well, <laughs> and he blew his nose." <laughs> 
so you can follow us on all the shit instagram facebook uh twitter and uh fucking you got the email startercold at gmail.com and uh what else we got we got the youtube you can like and subscribe there and we also have uh fucking uh what else do we have the patreon and a tiktok and a tiktok i'm pulling that up right now to get the full handle but i have a tiktok now you can go there and follow it there's not much up there now but i'm planning on posting a lot all right Hearing up. And you'll never see us. That's the only caveat. Yeah. Well, really? You want to make that a rule? It'd be funny if we never had us. <laughs> it's just... All right. Yeah. At least as long as possible. I just feel like that'd be funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, when you put a face to it, then it's like, that's what they look like. You know? It's like, I mean, well, they could just go over to our Instagram and see that picture of us flicking them off. and then, Yeah, that's know. true. But you'll see, you'll probably see the studio, I imagine. Oh, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll take one of those uh, pretty soon. You know, about that. But, uh, all right. So the handle is at Wasak underscore pod. So W A S A C underscore P O D. You got it. Follow us on the Tick Old Talker. Heck okay? yeah. Please do. Fucking do it. The first post is a fucking gem, I think. I think I did a good job. Oh, I would agree. Um, Anyway, you'll probably be seeing Navi, the studio, a bunch of stuff. Maybe our faces. Who knows? But maybe not our faces. Maybe just like fractions. Maybe like our cheeks. Portions of our faces. Tune in for portions of our faces. Yeah, it'll be like a jigsaw puzzle of our entire like look, you know? Yeah. Like maybe you'll get like a hand. You'll get like, you know, a foot. And it'll always have the sweetest soundtrack. Yeah, and then you piece it together from there. Then there'll be a dog. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, no, it'll be great. But anyway, yeah, you can follow us on all that shit. Uh, we are starting a cult, like I said. That's great. I'm Jake and Mitch. We just did it again. I went through all our names again. Yeah, but, we did. Um, so, yeah, that was Columbine. We'll see you probably next week. Uh, definitely we'll see you next week. Also, Thursday is going to be the Patreon episode that we do every Thursday. Every other Thursday, rather. And, uh, yeah, Patreon link down below. Yes. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.